my God, we thank you so much for how great you are. And Lord, as we think about the things in our lives that uh, we struggle with, the things that, were, that are beating us down right now, Father, we give those things to you right now. And we just pray that your glory will outshine every one of them. That you'll encourage us today because of how great you are. Father, we're thankful for Jesus coming to earth to die on the cross for us and to save us from our sins. But Father, help us never to lose sight of that grace that's been extended to us, that we are all in need of that grace and that we're all in need of extending it to others. But Father, as we uh, dive into your word today, we just pray that you will open our hearts to what you'll have to say. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. It's been a great day thus far, and uh, we're back into these 40 days during the time of Lent between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday and working to shape our lives into the image of God. And we're doing that by taking a look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and we've talked uh, for the last couple weeks about a different Beatitude and what it means to be blessed uh, or to be um, to happy, if you will, but blessed. In, and these are the things that when people look at us, they should see God first. It's the kingdom of heaven lived out on this earth. And today, um, I know in our small groups, we've, uh, um, I'm getting off the beaten path from that, this, but I thought it would be important that we jump in to blessed are the meek today, or blessed are the gentle. So tell me, what's the coolest thing, you don't have to tell me literally, but think about it, and you can say it out loud if you want. What's the coolest thing you've ever inherited from someone else? Right? Okay. Yeah, I, I was the uh, recipient of someone that can sweat a ton, um, and that's probably about the coolest thing I've ever gotten inheritance-wise. Uh, thanks, mom and dad. For that, uh, but inheritance comes in different shapes, right? Uh, and I, I put it out there. That's my sermon prep question for this week, and I got a lot of cool answers of of what's the coolest thing that's ever been handed down to you. Sometimes it's just a hand-me-down, right, brothers and sisters, little brothers and sisters. You get the the old clothes. Maybe it's a car because brother and sister went off to college. They got a new one. You get a hand-me-down. Those are cool things. But uh, our inheritance, it, it could be from someone that's passed on, a family member. Um, but most of the time, when, when someone has passed down something to us, uh, some things are valuable, right? Some things that you get from others are valuable because they're vintage, if you will. They're one of a kind. Maybe they're antique, right? And so they, they gain value as far as um, the world's concerned. But um, maybe they're just rare, uh, but they hold monetary value. Some things that we get passed down hold a lot of monetary value. They're very valuable. Some of the things that are passed down to us, are um, they're valuable to us, right? They're, they're family-related. They're, they're ideas of memories that come back when we see these little sentimental objects, maybe from a grandparent's house. Okay. I can remember the, the clock that sat on my grandma and grandpa's mantle. When I went over there, it was so annoying because you could hear it. It was so loud all, the all night long. It was hard to sleep. But I remember it. 
And that would be a, that would be a cool memory to have, to have that clock, but turn it off, right? Because we like, um, you know, there's pictures from uh, your parents' house, maybe little doodads that you saw in your childhood that bring back these great memories, right? And uh, these types of things, they might hold monetary value, but most of all, um, they, they hold something special in our heart, uh, just simply for the memories of what was, maybe a childhood. So um, have you ever inherited something as cool as the earth? Probably not yet, I don't know. Um, but that's what we're checking out today. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and that's um, where we'll be hanging out today. Blessed are the meek, or gentle, okay? Those two words are interchangeable. We'll probably focus more on gentle here in a minute, but this is how the message puts it. You are blessed when you are content with just who you are, no more and no less. At that is the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought, that's what it means to be blessed as, a, as a, the gentle or the meek or the humble. So this concept of meek, right, it's not normal in today's world at all, okay? And um, let me tell you what I mean. Onelook.com, is, it's just a compilation of short definitions uh, of words that you can look up. I know you can look up in the dictionary. These are just quick um, and a big compilation. The word meek means this. And, and when you're thinking about it, when you hear these words, compare it to the world. And does this match up with how the world thinks? So uh, a meek person is somebody who's humble, who's docile, who's kind of sedated. Think about a sloth, right? Mild, mildness, very little spirit or, or courage. Cowed, this is my favorite, cowed submissiveness, right, or frightened compliance. If you've ever worked cows before, they, they frighteningly do what you ask them to do, don't they, right? You pop them with a stick, they're going to go in the direction you want them to go. And they're going to do it fast because they had this submissiveness, but they don't want to be, right? And they're frightened because it's just out of their nature to be herded places like that, right? Cowed submissiveness. And when you think of the world standards, um, you, you will get ahead in life. Will you, will you ever get ahead in life by acting this way, by being meek, right? Uh, will you get the promotion at work by being humble or docile? Probably not, right? Will you win the, the championship in your little league with very little spirit or courage? No. I mean, we go to baseball tournaments all the time, and it is hardcore sometimes, right? They get excited, in, in a dangerous way sometimes. These aren't the traits that the world even acknowledges, right? Even much less applauds. So um, the, like I said, the other word that we'll kind of replace with meek is gentle. And some Bible translations, they even use the word gentle in the Beatitudes themselves. So uh, depending on what version of the Bible you read, it might even say, blessed are the gentle. But another look at, at onelook.com, gentle means this, tender-natured. Not a whole lot of, uh, of the world will get excited about somebody who's tender in nature, will they? Easily handled, soft or mild, having very little impact, right? Either way you look at it, meek or gentle doesn't, doesn't uh, really match up in the eyes of the world to get ahead, to go in that direction. 
And that's the point that Jesus is driving home here at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes um, as this is launched into the Sermon on the Mount, that if you live this way, you're going to be different than the world. He's saying if you do these things, the world will take notice. Okay, If you do these things, why? Because nobody else is doing them. Nobody else is acting this way, so you'll stand out in the eyes of the world simply because it looks odd to them. The, the original word here for gentle is actually only used three times in all of Scripture, all 66 books of the Bible. Um, this particular word is only for gentle is only used three times, and it describes this attitude of Jesus. It, it exemplifies Jesus' personality. And it's describing the heart of the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. And the meaning for gentle uh, is, is found here in chapter 5. So Matthew uses it one time here in, in chapter 5, verse 5, uh, as blessed are the gentle. And then he, he says it again here when he's, he's quoting Jesus. He's writing the words of Jesus. And see if this, this is Jesus describing himself. Right? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The, the word here uh, for gentle, um, we all know it, and it, it makes us feel like Jesus is going to, just take care of us, right? He's telling his disciples, listen, when it's getting bad, come to me. Let me help you. Let me put my arm around you. Get in the same yoke as me, and I'll do more than my share, and I'll walk beside you. Uh, again, five, almost 500 years prior to Matthew, uh, this word is also used, and it's describing something that we don't think is gentle, maybe, but for sure, the, the Hebrew people, the Israelites that were searching for a Messiah, they would not have used this word. But Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, the prophet, he's a prophet, he's describing the triumphant entry of the Messiah into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which we'll celebrate here in just a few weeks. And he says, see, your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, gentle, and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. Same word for the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, riding into town. Gentle. Not what you would think the world, um, we see the show of power, when we see the news and the war uh, between UK, Ukraine and Russia. We always see this big um, display of, of force, right? The army. And, and all that goes with it. But this is not the way the world would have thought when Jesus says that, that uh, when, when Zechariah describes Jesus coming into town gentle and riding on a donkey, not a, a nice horse or anything like that. And, and it's not this show of strength. You think about the, the movie Aladdin, right? Have you seen it? You like the movie Aladdin, right? When Prince Ali comes into town to impress Princess Jet, what all comes with them? Right, this huge entourage. Yeah, that's that's what they were thinking. The Messiah would come in with with thousands, you know, with advisors and an army, and he would come with force because that's the way the world worked. It's still the way the world works. But instead, he came gentle, 
riding on a donkey, just kind of strolling in. And everybody said, Hosanna. They threw their coats down in front of him. And he was meek. He was gentle. And Zechariah describes riding Jesus riding into town on Palm Sunday in this way. Jesus, uh, Matthew describes Jesus as a way of assisting his followers. That's what gentle is. And what Jesus is, uh, and what Jesus is, he says how we should live on the earth. That's, that's what we should be. Blessed are the gentle. And, and this is what Jesus is in gentle. He is strength or power under control. He came in on a donkey. He was still God, riding in a town on a donkey. And he was that, that incredible power that created the universe and under control. It was contained. And someone who's, not, uh, someone who's gentle is not merely um, overly impressed with their own importance, right? Somebody who's gentle doesn't really care a whole lot about who they are. Someone that is not preoccupied with their own strength. Someone that uh, does not demand their own way all the time and selfishly, assertively forcing themselves and their opinions on everybody. That's not gentle. So Jesus tells us that uh, blessed are the gentle. So how do we live this out? What does that look like? How, what does it look like to be gentle in, in our lives, to be meek? And so I hope by the end of the day... Um, we have a little better understanding of gentleness and this incredible power and strength that's under control. And that's alive in our hearts today as well. But before we move forward, just want to remind us that, you know, Jesus lived on the earth for 33 years, right? And, and he expressed the Beatitudes every day. This was Jesus's personality lived out in the earth. And so when we're talking about being meek or being gentle, we want to take what we know about Jesus because we have the scripture, right? It's recorded for us in the gospels, the life of Jesus and how it unfolded. And we want to take what we know about Jesus and see these characteristics and the practices in his life. Where, where did Jesus act this way and how and why? Well, that's why he did that because he's gentle and he's just showing us how we should live. And hopefully it helps us understand that living out these virtues in our life will help the world see Jesus in us. So what does it mean to be gentle? Last week, um, we used uh, what we call the biblical definition of peacemaker. And that's one who takes responsibility for reconciling broken relationships. Do you remember that one? No, you don't. Okay, that's fine. Um, biblical definition of gentleness is this. And it, it kind of follows up. In, in the f- overflow of brokenness before God. It's the overflow of brokenness before God, and here's how we get there. It's expressed in my surrender to Him and my submission to others. Notice it's not the other way around, that we're not surrendering to others. We're surrendering, the, being gentle, this overflow of brokenness in my heart and in my life is expressed in my surrender to God and in, in my submission to others. And, and so what does it look like to practically live out being gentle? Uh, here's a couple of ways, okay? The first way is this. Gentleness is just, it's demonstrated as surrender to the control of my life to Jesus. 
It's demonstrated when I surrender control of my life to Jesus. And that happens not just day by day, not week by week, but moment by moment. And so this first act of gentleness is, is an act of surrender. It's me getting out of my own way. It's me giving control to God, consciously surrendering my life to Jesus. And it's done every single day. And regardless of the circumstances, we have to moment by moment surrender. And the expression of surrender allows the heart of God to shine through us. When, when we uh, uh, delete ourselves and allow God to be at the front, people will see him and not us. And that's total surrender. It's not just, we don't just surrender um, to the things that we can't control anyway. Like, well, go ahead, God. I couldn't do that anyway, right? But it's God. So you see the, the, the uh, bumper sticker, God's my co-pilot, okay? I, I hope when you see that from now on, you understand God is not our co-pilot. Because that implies that we have a say in the direction that we're going. And we don't. God is the pilot, and he's the co-pilot, and he's the navigator, and the person that hands out the, the uh, pretzels on the flight, too. He does it all, right? That's what surrender. Our surrender places him in control. If you want to keep with it, do you trust yourself to land an airplane on your own? No. Would you trust God? Yeah. Might as well let him do it all, right? That's what this surrender looks like. This life of gentleness is a submission uh, and, or total surrender to Jesus. So that, that's how one way we demonstrate. Um, the second way is gentleness is demonstrated as I submit, my, uh, I submit to others in my life. I defer to other people. And we've talked about submission as a spiritual discipline um, here in, in the past. But we yield to others. We show gentleness by submitting to other people. Submission to others is an outward expression of the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. That we're secure enough in who God is in our life that we submit to others and let him work through us. Submission is not this attitude of oppression. Like, oh, poor me. Just because you submit doesn't mean that you allow people to walk all over you. That's not the point. Okay? And if we look at it through the eyes of Jesus, Jesus didn't let people walk all over him. He should, we, we should stand up for the abused, right? We should stand up for the oppressed and for the dominated, for the bullied, right? We tell our kids all the time, if you see that stuff happening, you speak up, right? Because it's the right thing to do. We submit to others because that's what God would have us to do. Proverbs 31 um, it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. That's the idea, that, that we're not just um, letting people roll over us. That's not what submissiveness is. Submissive is just putting others before yourself. The, the joy method, right? Jesus, we just talked about that. Others, and then you, right? So our, this is our, just a reminder. Gen, a gentle life is strength under control. It's, it's power under control. You have all that in you because the, the same God, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And we have to know 
We submit to others and we help them. We meet the needs. We do what we can. But it's all in total surrender to God. Submission is, is surrendering self over others, right? It doesn't mean others trample you and get in your way in the process. One of the best ways to express submission to what others look like um, comes from the Apostle Paul. And uh, we find it in, in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 2. And you, you can go there if you want. We'll be there for just a second. Philippians chapter 2. But Paul's telling us, he's telling the, the Philippian church that this is what it looks like to live a submissive life. And this is how Jesus handled it. So we start in, in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So that tells us right now. Does that sound like a gentle person? Don't be vain. Don't be selfish about things. Already we're on track. Okay. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So if we did those seven words in our lives, what would the world look like? Rather, in humility, okay, those two words don't exist in the world, do they? Check out social media, right, and all the arguments. We talked about peacemakers last year and all the arguments that are going on. There is not humility in, 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 in the midst. In humility, value others above yourself, not looking, to others, uh, not looking on your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So he's telling us, he's saying, this is what Christlikeness looks like. If you want to look like Jesus, if you want to live out the kingdom of heaven on this earth, he's saying that we express submissiveness looks like this, that we put others in front of ourselves. Submission is not selfish. Submission is not shallow. Rather, submission is humble in humility. Submission puts others in front of yourself. Think of the needs of others. It's the same attitude or the same way of life that Jesus had. And this is how we know. Because Paul explains it to us. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So Paul's setting this up. In, in your relationships with one another, between you and me, between you and your spouse, between you and your kids, between you and your coworkers, have the same attitude as Jesus would. Which would be what? If you're at work and you're trying to get that promotion, you're going to kick that guy over there. It would make me look good and get in between him and the boss so you know. No, in your relationships, have the same mindset as Jesus. Who, meaning Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. It's that power and strength under control. Rather, this is what he did. He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness. Mind you, the same humans that he created. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Now, if it ended right there, that would still show how incredibly humbling becoming a person was for, for Jesus. That, that if he said, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, okay? God, he, he was uh, from eternity past. He's never not existed. And he submitted himself to death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus, the Son of God, on earth. That's, that's what he was. He was God in a body. And he didn't use that fact to his own advantage. He didn't, he didn't just pop in and pop in, right? He, he could have traveled that way. He could just, and there he was, right? Transporter, like Star Trek, right? Instead, he made himself nothing. And what does that mean we are? Nothing, right? Instead, he humbled himself to the ultimate degree of being humiliated and crucified on a cross, which to that date was the most humiliating form of execution known. And Paul's telling us that Jesus, even though uh, he is God, even though he's God, he demonstrated gentleness in this way, that in every way I relate to you, I consider myself more, I consider you more important than me. That's, that's the mindset that he took, and he carried that all the way to the cross. And this journey of submission led to death, right, for my sins. He looked at my life and said, your life is more important than mine. I'm going to die for you. He did the same thing for all of us. And th that same journey, he led him to his resurrection as well and defeating sin completely. It's the same journey. And because that power is alive in us, that strength and power, eventually it, became, it was not under control anymore. It unleashed, right? The stone rolled away. Air filled his lungs. He popped up out of there, and he was gone. The tomb was empty. This is the attitude. This is the way of living. It's, it's anti-world, right? This, 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 it embraces everything that the world is against, this act of humility and putting others in front of us. The world views meekness as wimpy, right? Somebody's just going to step all over you and push you around. The world views submission as weak. Oh, you're not a good leader because you don't submit. You, you submit. You just let them do whatever they want, right? The world views sacrifice as worthless, why are you doing that? It's all about you. You do you, right? Get yourself ready. Do what you got to do. And the beatitude way of living life, the way that Jesus lived and the mindset that Jesus took while he was here that we express in our relationships with others, that they're first. Christ-like submission sees people where they are, and it stands up for them, and it stands with them. Just like Jesus did. He reached down and he touched lepers, right? He got right with them. He saw people multiple times in, in Scripture. Christ-like submission serves people. He, it practices humility, right? That's the idea that we serve one another. Christ-like sacrifices. Christ-likeness, it sacrifices for people. It's greater love has no man than, than this, to lay down his life for his brother. That's, what, that's how we practically live it out. That's how we live this life of gentleness. That's how we know blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the gentle. And, and Jesus saw, right? Jesus was gentle. He saw people. Multiple times in Scripture it says Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Why? When, he, when it says he saw the crowds, it wasn't just like me. I look out here and y'all are out there. But he saw your heart. He saw that person. He saw the struggle that they were having. He saw that, yeah, that guy, he just lost 
um, a family member. He sees our hearts. He sees the crowd, and he has compassion on them. Not only did that, he, he acted on it, right? Christ, like he, Jesus was gentle, he served people. Again, multiple times in God's word, Jesus considered other, other people more important than himself. He served people. Uh, and sometimes in big ways. We, we read about in the upper room when he washes the disciples' feet, how humbling that was to take the 12 guys that he was um, bringing up and training up, and none of them did it, and no one of them wanted to, well, I'm not washing his feet. I'm not and, so, and we do that in the church a lot, don't we? Right? We all assume that somebody else is going to do it. We all assume that it's just going to happen. And we're like, well, I'll serve somewhere else. But no. Jesus saw the need, and he filled it. He served, and he washed their feet. Jesus was gentle. He sacrificed for people. He gave himself freely to pay the price for my sins. He sacrificed for people. And, and, we, do, uh, and we look to do the same, right? To live out a Christ-like example of gentleness, and to lead a life, uh, a gentle life, or one that's controlled, this controlled power uh, under God. And to, um, consider, uh, to consider others above ourselves. And, and listen, Jesus was firm when he needed to be firm, right? If you think about the table flipping incident, not, probably not too long hours after he rode in to Jerusalem, gentle, on a donkey, he's in the temple flipping tables over and chasing people out with a whip because they were um, being dishonest and, and, and um, disrespecting God's house. And he was not walked all over uh, he, he, by people in authority, right? He was challenged daily by the Pharisees. And he stood up to them every time with truth and in love. And he probably, I don't know, I doubt that he ever raised his voice. He just confidently said, this is what it's like. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And put the Pharisees in their place. So much, so many times that they ended up crucifying him. Jesus was the Messiah. He's the king of kings on the earth. And he rode into town on a donkey. And we, we can live this same life. We can lead the same life. By not doing selfish things, that brings attention to yourself. And listen, I know it feels good when people, hey, good job, give you a pat on the back, and, and they really draw attention. You did a great job at this. It feels good. And that's not wrong, but when we seek that out and we go, hey, did you see, did you see what I did? That was amazing, right? And they're going to agree with you because otherwise, you know, no, that was not good. No. They're going to agree. We don't want to bring attention to ourselves. We live out this gentle life by living a humble life that regards others more important than our, ourselves. By looking out for the interests of others. By having the same mindset as Jesus would have. And, and we do this um, because the, that same mindset. He didn't do it because uh, of his God stature, right? He, he could have could have healed everybody that he came in contact with without saying a word. And he, he made himself nothing in the eyes of humans, the humans that he created, remind you. And he humbled himself. 
who died to himself and for the world. Not, not, the, not the way the world would do it, right? Because the, the people of the time were looking for the Messiah. And they weren't looking for Jesus. Not the, the type of person that he was. Not the, the submissive, gentle person that he was. They were looking for a conquering king. They heard the stories of generations before and how incredible David was. And the mighty army that he led in Solomon in all of their splendor. And they, that's the king that they were looking for. And he rode into town on a donkey. And they got excited, right? Palm Sunday, they waved the branches, they threw the coats down, they got excited. But, um, but Jesus, he called out his, his followers to live this out. <coughs> and, and we are called to do the same thing. To live this gentle life. The, the meek place themselves in God's hands. The gentle place themselves in God's hands. And allow him to work through our submission to him. Our surrender to him in other people's lives. So the people know what the godly life looks like here on earth today. That if we live this out, people will see Jesus. And they will notice, won't they? Why? Because it's different. If we treat people in, in this way, in respect and humility, and we serve them and we see them, it'll be different. And people will wonder, well, what in the world are they doing that for? They don't deserve that. They didn't get, well, it's because Jesus calls us to live that way. And we'll stand out from the world because of that. And who wants to stand out from the world? Yeah, that's living the life of Jesus. So, um, and, and what's the promise? The promise is this, we'll inherit the earth, right? This world is not our home. But the new heaven and the new earth is coming, and that's in store for us. And the gentle will inherit the world that's ruled by the donkey-riding, humble, resurrected king of kings for eternity. And that's pretty cool. It's a great inheritance. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So this week, let's do, let's do this. Let's seek to be meek. All right? It's fun to rhyme, you know. Seek to be meek. And let's value others as more important than ourselves. Give it a shot. Kick the tires on humility. And see what blessing you get, right? Let's consider humility a positive characteristic. Something that the world does not believe. But let's, let's stand up for those who can't stand for themselves. Let's see people. Let's serve people. And let's sacrifice for people. And do this knowing God uh, has called us to do this type of thing. To be gentle in this way. And knowing that people will witness the kingdom of heaven right here on earth by the way that we act. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's been a great day today in your house. We've felt your spirit. We've answered your call. And Lord, we pray that as we go today, you will go with us and encourage us to see people to serve people, and to sacrifice for people. 
that we will understand that while we are important, that others are more important than we are, that we place you first, that we surrender daily, moment by moment to you, that we set ourselves apart for your love and your, the way that you use us, God. And through that, we submit to other people. We, we love others and we serve them and know that we will be blessed because that's what you say will happen. Blessed are the gentle. And Father God, as we go today, we, we pray that we will seek to be meek, that we will show our gentleness in the way that we treat others in our relationships, in our families, in our marriages, and in our co- at work, at school. It's, it's different. It's a different attitude that the world has. And Father, we just pray that when people recognize that it's different, that they will see you in our lives, that they'll understand that we do this because we love you and we surrender all to you. So go with us this week. Help us as we uh, spend time out in the world that we are a beacon of light that people will see. Help us, give us the courage to, um, to share our faith in a great way. And if we have to talk, we talk, but just the way that we act, the way that we are, will speak volumes to those. And as we interact with other people, we just pray that they will um, be blessed because you are, are in that conversation too. God, help us to have a great afternoon. Uh, and if, if it's what we do, that we have a good nap and that we get out there this week in the great weather and we enjoy your creation and we enjoy interacting with other people. And bring us back here safely in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you Wednesday night for intermission, or we'll see you next week. Have a wonderful afternoon. God bless.